Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the big difference between winning and losing! Welcome into 11 Personnel, back like we never left, like it feels like just yesterday that we were talking about a couple of commitments from, not the state of Kentucky, but we were talking about Destin Wade, Keaton Wade, and Keontae Goodwin, and it, it wasn't just yesterday, it was actually two, three days ago, but we're back, and Kentucky already has another commitment. Yeah, it's like we have a daily podcast here for, with 11 Personnel. It's April. But, yeah, I'm uh, good timing on the recruiting getting rolling. I will say that. We get right out of spring ball and we get some uh, some more football content to dive into. Yeah, and particularly because the uh, the big recruiting news happened typically when we spend our time breaking down the blue-white game. And we didn't have right. a blue-white game. I was, uh, man, seeing all those spring game tweets. Look, and I know you were a little envious and jealous like myself. Yeah, last Saturday, the 17th, was kind of like the big spring game day. Mm-hmm. You had, I believe it was eight, seven or eight SEC teams playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Kentucky had a quiet scrimmage well, at the Krogue. I know the, the big uh, talking point kind of on Mon- Sunday, Monday was, I can't believe they let the, the rich folks in to watch the scrimmage. And I'm just... I'm still at a – I just can't believe that they didn't put it on TV because yeah, it's not a big deal if if everybody can watch um, because, like, we know the rich people. They they go to tons of stuff that we don't get to. It just, it just sucked because this was the one time that normally everybody gets to watch. Yeah, I've defended Kentucky for a lot of that stuff. I think a lot of the stuff they did I think was defendable. Obviously, the beer issue is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I don't hate catering to the one percenters, especially with the program needed money and investors and all that, all that good stuff. And I think some people that complain about tailgating and tickets, I think they're just complaining and complaining. Like <laughs> from a guy who's had season tickets and had to figure out how to tailgate, we I, I haven't had any issues. Right, right. Um, so from that aspect, I, I understand it, but. They were very Cold War about information in the spring. Oh, man. And so they didn't want anything getting out. And it, they, they, just, they, they just used it as, you know, we're not going to let anything in. I, and I think that's a mistake in the common day. Like, you, you've got to promote your program a little bit. Like, you just cannot depend on 45,000 people going up to the season ticket windows and laying down all their money. Especially for COVID season two. Yeah. Really need that ticket revenue. Like when, yeah, when season ticket sales maybe struggle this year, you know, that's part of the problem. And then like, if you're going to be shut down, but you're letting, letting some fans in, but not others. And you don't do any media access, which now I I know it's, it's rich coming from me now. Now that I'm a full fledged media member, but it just, I mean, you know, that's how, when I was a fan, that's how I would get information. Yeah, it was from you know the media at least getting to see practice. 
Well, and yeah, instead of having to parse through um, some coach speak, especially whenever they're saying, Hey, we're going to have you after practice on Tuesday. And then, Oh, eh, 24 hours before. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever happened there happened. I'm not, I'm not going to get two sour grapes on that, but I just, I feel like it was a mistake. Like they could have figured out something. And I think they were very comfortable with like saying, nah, it's okay. We'll just go through without (laughs) anything. Yeah, especially just, every other every other conference or not every, excuse me every other team in the conference did something even mm-hmm. if the teams that didn't have a spring game. Right, right, and you know I'm kind of laughing through it now at this point because you know I you can't change their minds anymore. It's the deed is done. Right. I'm just still. We couldn't get even the boring parts of practice, you know. Because I, I can only trust what uh, Broadway Joe, who got to attend practice, says so often. You know what I mean? There, there's only so much you can do and trust, and even just to make a day out of it. You know, I, I don't want to say that KSR is the, the end-all, be-all, but having a Tuesday in the middle of April when nothing else is happening, you had a bad basketball season, the worst basketball season, Having a Tuesday where all the big UK websites are just talking about how great your team is going to be, that 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 helps. Especially when they they even had the season ticket renewal deadline on Friday. Put it on Wednesday, the, the Wednesday before, get us out there. You're going to get some extra tickets. It's just that's how this works. It, it was a missed PR opportunity, I think, not to do that. They've had a lot of good things happen in the offseason. They've got that bowl win momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, they closed strong in the class of 2021, 2022. Now it's getting rolling. Like there was an opportunity there in between um, to get some public, I guess, talk about their football team. And they just passed on it for, you know, whatever reason. I think they were very comfortable to sit on it with all the new stuff they have going on. So I, yeah. I just, I, but I think they'll look, look back on it um, in which they would have done, done a little bit different, but. Hopefully, they learned from a missed opportunity. I think it was wrong not to at least have a little something. I understand maybe you not want to have a spring game, but you could have figured something out for a practice or something. Or at least give a little more highlights in the clips. Like, even the clips they release are very, like, they're not showing who's passing the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's very vanilla. It's tight shots from the sideline where there's somebody blocking your view. You know, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing, too, is you, you had the scrimmage and – I felt like we did learn some things, like like we got some stuff in the first one, but I haven't heard a ton of stuff from the second one either. Even some, you know, this guy had a big play. I know Rashawn Lewis was one of those names that hadn't heard in a while, but we, we didn't even get that. And I think partially some of it was because people were so consumed by the recruiting. So let's get to the recruiting. You had the big weekend. And then three days later, you've got another kid committing on KSR. Josh Caddis is the latest addition to UK's 22 class. He comes in ranked uh, as a three-star prospect. I haven't seen how it's affected the rankings yet. I haven't checked that out, but Kentucky was top 10 after the weekend. I'm, I'm sure they're just going to probably stay the same after the addition of Caddis. He's not the highest ranked guy, uh, but he is a big guy. At about 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds, 
from Cincinnati Moeller High School. And even though he doesn't have the rankings, when you got a guy that big from a school like that, it's it's going to stand out no matter what. Like it. Yeah, and he's the seventh tight end that Kentucky's brought on since Marilyn Stoops got here from the state of Ohio. So that's one specific position where they've hit that state hard for prospects. He'll be uh, the third Moeller member on the team next year, joining Carrington Valentine and Brendan Bates. And he's a pro-style tight end. He's 6'4", 245 pounds. He's been well-coached. He's got a strong pedigree. Dad played at Michigan. Dad played in the NFL for a handful of seasons. And he's got the size and play strength, I think, to contribute right away if you needed him to. Um, there's a lot of Justin Rigg in his game. As far as from a blocking standpoint, he's really – has a lot he can bring to the table and at Muller they ran a lot of some stuff they'll run at Kentucky with some of that split zone type stuff and he also does some stuff out of the slot where he makes blocks in space so blocking number one is his mill ticket and that's mm-hmm. really where he makes a difference and then as a passer he does he does a good job of having natural pass catching abilities catching the ball away from his body he's got some extension type grabs um, so he shows some good ball skills so really this is a scheme fit I think Kid from Muller, I think it's a culture fit for the program. Mm-hmm. I think he, this kid's going to come in right away. He's pretty polished already. He's going to be able to help you, I think, as soon as he gets here. And as far as the new scheme goes, I think tight end is going to be a very important position. We heard Cohen talk about in the spring. They're going to use 12 personnel a lot. And I think uh, Josh Caddis can be a guy that can come in and really, really be a anchor there on the end of the line as a blocking threat and then can do some stuff in your play action pass game. You you really hit it there too in that he is this big strong physical guy but he's not necessarily just bowling over dudes like there there's some there's some tact to his game. Uh yeah, particularly he, after the the yards after contacts what I appreciate because it's one thing to just have strength to be able to bully dudes. It's another thing to get hit keep your balance and keep moving forward, keep those legs turning. That's a skill that has to be learned. It's almost like when you're really little and you have to learn how to get tackled, learning how to break through those tackles and keep your shoulders above your knees and use that strength as an advantage. He he has that. Yeah. I mean, pedigree NFL tight end as a dad, um, strong program at Moeller. Like he's just been coached well, Mm -hmm. like he's probably pretty close to his ceiling from a technique standpoint. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's probably been in a weight and conditioning program the last couple yeah, of years yeah, in high school. Yeah. It's a safe assumption. Um, so like he's, <laughs> he's coming in here going to be ready to go. I mean, he's six foot four uh, recruiting sites. list him at two thirty five. His huddle says he's two forty five. So let's just call it two forty. meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. He, he's ready right now to be, to be a guy that can, that can buck there at the line of scrimmage and be able to hold up at the point of attack Um and in the blocking, I think he's really technically sound. His hand placement is great. He finishes blocks because of he wins early. He gets inside on defenders, and he allows his power to take over. So I think just from a blocking standpoint, I think he could have a very a very similar impact that Riggs kind of had, and then you know sprinkle in pass game every now and then. But it's a it's a quality recruiting win. He had ten Power Five offers. Had Ivy League entrance, so he gets mm-hmm. it done in the classroom as well. Smart guy. You bring it into your locker room. And then it looks like he, you know, he ended up being Kentucky and Cincinnati and he picked the Wildcats over Cincinnati, which they're recruiting at a power five level um, up there with Fickle right now. So that's a quality recruiting out of their own backyard. Um, and as a guy, I think you could expect to come in 
and maybe play some as a, as a freshman, uh, just from a blocking aspect. If you wanted to get in some heavy sets, he can be an extra blocker there for you. And then just another good, solid tight end I think they brought in. And I think this is going to be a position of strength as we move forward. You look at um, Jordan Dingle and then now Caddis and then what they have. And I think it's important to remember Upshaw could go early. Like if he has a big year. Yeah. This is his fourth. Yeah, it's his fourth season. So I think if he has a big year, it's not, it wouldn't be a shock if he goes early. So they could need him to play some Mm -hmm. next year. What uh, I also like to, I mean, you mentioned who you beat him over. And those were the direct, you know, Cincinnati was the, the, the big suitor down the stretch. But I do love that the optics from some of the the other schools he beat him over. So, as you said, his dad was an NFL tight end. He also was a tight end at Michigan, all Big Ten tight end, who caught passes for Jim Harbaugh. Right. And Jim Harbaugh is now the coach at Michigan. Uh, Alan True, who does stuff for, I think, the Detroit Free Press, and he does stuff for 24-7, had a story about Harbaugh offering him the scholarship back in the day. And it's like, so you mean to tell me this kid chose Kentucky when, in theory, he could have gone and played for his dad's old quarterback at his dad's alma mater? That just screams awesome. And then, you know, it was only a week or two ago that Jody Dimling said that he was UofL's top recruiting target at tight end. And, ah, man, it goes back to over the weekend when you've got Keontae Goodwin from the city of Louisville picking UK. You've got the Wades leaving the state of Tennessee. Tennessee's their other top uh, suitor, and you're picking Kentucky over. Just beating your rivals and beating guys like that, it it feels great. I mean, ah, I, I can't I can't love it enough. I really can't. And in this 2022 class early, they're really hitting some metro areas hard. We've mm-hmm. got commitments from Detroit, Cincinnati, Louisville, Atlanta, and Nashville. Yeah. Oh, you talk about that. What's that five hour radius that coaches talk about all the time? I mean, that's the day trip. Five, six of. hour, right. <laughs> all those cities like fall. All those cities are all those cities. All those cities fall within that six hour circle of Lexington, that radius of Lexington. Um, so those are places you want to consistently recruit to. And they're, they've hit all of them early in this class, which is something I don't think they, I, I have to look up if they've ever hit um, from all those areas in one class. Um, but they're doing it early in this class. And, we talked about the momentum piece. Last year's class never really had that. Um, and no, this year's class, no. they've got it right now. Um, and they're rolling. Um, there's a couple more announcements coming down the pike. Alex Safari on May 7th, a corner out of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Kamari Landers, I think that's his first name, out of Detroit, an offensive lineman on May 9th. Um, they very well could get both of those kids when the, when those two pops. So I don't think this momentum is going to slow down anytime soon. It seems like they're going to get into summer and really have maybe, you know, 15 – 16 commits by July. Yeah. Maybe have most of that class for the most part wrapped up. And then you're just going after some big fish for the last, Mm -hmm. you know, five months or so doing that and doing some retaining. You mentioned Detroit. You ever been to Detroit? I have not. I haven't either. I hear it's not as bad as people say. And it's also, you know, short drive to Windsor here. Windsor's pretty nice. I never really realized how close it was until recently. Yeah. Not that far away. I know I had a friend who they, they made a big – when we were younger, we played on the same uh, AAU team back in the day. And I was very envious because they went to the basketball up at – Oh, I yeah. Guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that technically Ford Field? Ford Field? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know Ford if it was Field. there or if it was the Silverdome at the time. But the basketball – I guess that was Rondo and Sparks. 
against Michigan State and maybe 04? I think it was before Sparks. I think Sparks came in in 05. It was like Eric Daniels, Gerald okay. Fitch, Fit. that gotcha. 04 team. Gotcha. Um, because then the following year, that's when they lost to him uh, in that Elite Eight game. Right, right. Damn, Paul. That Davis. was with Sparks. I think Sparks was sitting out. I think he was on the team, but yeah, he was sitting out for transfer. That sounds right. That sounds right. Um, I digress, man. I, I, I want to commend you on a social media post you had um, completely unrelated to football, but I will agree with you wholeheartedly that volleyball does in fact have the best names for statistics. Yeah, for sure. I was even looking up at like, I won't say they were advanced statistics, but like intricate volleyball names mm-hmm. and they've got some good ones. Pancake is, yeah, pancake is, is used there. And that's quite literally, you make your hand like a pancake and you slide it under the ball. I don't know how – I'm amazed at what some of the refs see because that ball is moving so fast. And to be able to yeah. tell if their hand gets under it or if it well, hits the line. Yeah, that's where I – like there's – I was watching a little bit last night and there was five or six where I was like, I ain't got a clue. Tennis is the same way too. I don't know how they, how they, that ball is moving so fast. And how they, the thing with tennis that just, it bugs the bejesus out of me when stuff like the Auburn game happens and we don't have one damn angle of the goal line. When tennis, they do the little tracking thing and it shows you exactly Exactly where the ball is hitting. Like, how the hell have we not gotten this done with football? All the money we have invested in football Mm -hmm. and you can't see if the ball crosses the plane or not. What the hell? Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't understand it. Your wife played a little volleyball back in the day, am I correct? Wasn't she, wasn't she a volleyballer? No, Taylor was not a volleyball player. Ah. Okay. Team cheerleader. Team cheerleader. No, so what's it like to be uh, <laughs> married to a cheerleader? I immediately think of the, the Booze Cruise uh, episode uh, where Amy no. Adams is doing A-W-E-S-O-M-E. Awesome, awesome. So we, uh, it's really sad that I can remember a cheerleader's chant from an episode of The Office. I have a problem. Uh, uh, when you said The Office, the first thing I think of is they go to, I can't, where um, Mindy Kaling's character has that party. And oh, and Ma- Michael tells him it's a cost his girlfriend, it's a costume party. He shows up in a cheerleader costume. <laughs> it's the Diwali. Yeah. Diwali, yeah. yeah, there he goes. You said it was a costume party. <laughs> yeah. That's what oh, I think of. Man. Great episode. Then he asked her to, I think, marry her there or something. Yeah, yeah. Pretty wild. Um, but uh shout out to the UK volleyball team. They they are A W E S O M E awesome. Uh and the thing is, is I've watched you know, I've, I've watched them previously. They haven't ever looked this kind of in control. So I'm very excited to see what happens on Thursday. Uh, and ho- hopefully they can get to the ship on, on Saturday. The, the Washington team they're playing, they're the, you know, the, that, that, that lucky uh, rabbit's foot's got to run out of juice sometimes because yeah. they were, they, the, the game was basically over in the fifth set against Louisville. They were down. Five nothing, then 10 4, 11 5, and found a way to win. They've won every game in five sets, and UK yeah. has not played it since the third like set. Yet. It should be them, and who's the number one seed? <clears throat> Wisconsin, who played Wisconsin. poorly against right. uh, Texas, Florida. 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 They're, they're playing Texas, and Texas looked okay. good. So that game should be pretty contested in the nightcap. Uh, but man, yeah. it, it would be awesome if UK could get it done. It's a shame. Can't, you know the time that they're crushing it you can't fill up the stands because they draw some big crowds that final four 
so. yeah i've seen, i've watched those in the past and it gets pretty <clears throat> excuse me it gets pretty rowdy you need to get there, that frog out of your throat buddy yeah come on i think we're good now okay all right yeah get, get that out of there um let's go back to spring football it's kind of over here to stock football i guess as i said before we didn't have the sort of oh you should have seen so-and-so's catch i think some of it I think that is a byproduct of actually a good thing, and that's some of the plays that might have otherwise been extraordinary in previous years are becoming more routine, where, hey, uh, as Brad White says, they got some beaters out there. There's Mm -hmm. just some plays where they're going to beat you on. And I love seeing in some of the, the photos that you have good defenders, guys like Taj Dodson, who received a lot of credit, chasing guys down the field over the top. Because, I mean, especially a year ago, Josh Ali is getting so much attention. There's no way he's running free. But in, in, in the play action and the kind of how they're scheming guys open. I, I From a big picture standpoint, I did something on what we learned from the offense. And that was kind of more in the from a personnel standpoint. Because, like I said, we didn't really get to see what Cohen's going to do. We just know that it's kind of like the Rams. But I think – the whole debate over what was wrong with the passing game is like, well, maybe guys just can't get open. I don't think guys were schemed open enough last year. And this should be a new byproduct of Liam Cohen's offense is that he is going to be able to scheme guys to get some separation to make the quarterbacks have some easier throws and really stretch out that defense. Well, the thing with last year was teams were just press man in Kentucky and they couldn't get off press coverage on the outside. So no one was open. And I think the big selling point with Cohen was, I think they talked about this either at Stoops or Cohen and the introductory press conference was that he showed what he can do from a schematic standpoint, formation standpoint, where he could get defenses out of that and where you can make, where you can get them in predictive coverages and then you can run stuff off of that where they they can't, they can't press you. A lot of it was like condensed bunch type formations. Mm Mm-hmm stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think that's, that, that's been a big selling point. I think overall the players seem excited about this offense. And even we've heard it a lot from the defensive players too, you know, in these settings, it's a lot like, especially spring ball and fall camp. It's a lot of, you know, offense and defense is going at each other. Ones versus ones too. Yeah. And they're not like going to be super complimentary of the other mm-hmm. party. Cause that's who you're facing. You don't right. you don't have an opponent. That's who you're going up against, and you know it's a competition. But we've seen the defensive guys go out of their way and be like, it's totally different. Like they were very complimentary of the offense, right? Um, in right. more ways than one, which I think is is probably a good sign. No, you're you're exactly right. Uh, to to get a little bit more into the weeds, let's just share some of our most pleasant surprises. Hell, they don't even have to be the most pleasant. Let's talk about our surprises from spring practice look it you get to go first yeah number one ladies first uh, jeremy flax in cohen's words is a a cornerstone of the offensive line so he's locked down that right tackle spot and we now know what the starting lineup is going to be on the offensive line Mm -hmm. with austin dotson as your third guard and now assuming quentin wilson is holding down center which it seems like he is so that, I think, was a positive development. That was a guy with a lot of talent coming from the JUCO ranks. 
sounds like he's gotten in shape and that he's he, – I would assume he's playing really well at that right tackle spot, I think, is a very, very good sign and was a surprise to me. I didn't think we'd hear about hear that in spring ball, that anybody had locked down that spot. That would be a wide-open competition going into the fall. But it seems like that's, that's his to have. And then it's all about the twos who's going to emerge from that group to maybe – how healthy is Nasir Watkins? You know, we just right. we got no idea. Um, yeah, I well, think, if he's if he's healthy to go, then you got I think three good tackles there. Yeah, Nasir yeah. can play both spots in a pinch. Mm-hmm. And then you got three good tackles there, and if Jagger Burton comes on, like it sounds like he is, then you got two solid guard options off the bench. So you're looking at you could be eight deep by October, which would be a very good place to be on the offensive line. Yes, no, you're exactly right. And it'd be kind of like going back to the the early days where they were just running in nine and just keeping right. John Tothan at center. Uh, right. Which, man, that was five years ago. <laughs> oh, man, uh, I, I was having this conversation with uh, my radio co-host, TJ, today over on Kentucky Roll Call. If you don't listen to it, we, we talk every morning, seven to nine. It's pretty good stuff. Look us up. Uh, he – uh. So, man, it's already, you know, we were making all the 420 jokes. It's already April 20th. Like, Derby's yeah. next week. <laughs> you know, like, the time, it, for as much as uh, the, the pandemic time really stood still, now that things are going and happening, it feels like it's flying by. Uh, but to, to, to bring us back, uh, one of the surprises was a bad surprise, and that was the Achilles injury for Derek Jackson. You almost – you hate to say it, but you're almost good for one bad injury a spring. I know Justin Rigg had some frequent dumb ones. Like he lacerated a spleen, I believe, mm-hmm. in one. Yeah. Uh, Which sounds it, terrible. Oh, yeah. It sounds awful. You had some LB injuries. Pretty fr- – it, it, that position does take a lot of a lot of blows. Uh, because Jamin Davis, he led – as a true freshman, led the spring game in tackles, filling yeah. in for, I want to say, Jordan Jones back in the day. So those injuries do happen, but to tear an Achilles in a non-contact, that stinks, especially the way that that position really feels snake bit right now, where you, you kind of have, if you're John Summerall, you have this pecking order in line of how you want things to progress in your position room, and his plan just keeps getting thrown out the door. And credit to him for keep finding ways to adapt and adjust because short, I, did Davis, did he announce he was going before Wallace got on board? I believe so. You know, so Davis dips out, and and then you go inside. Yeah, I think Wallace. that's right. <laughs> you know, so he's found a good way to uh, to adapt, but it's just, man, it's tough. It's tough sledding, especially when Jackson was coming along in the spring. It, you 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 hate to hear it for him. Yeah, linebacker both outside and inside. They're just thin. Mm-hmm. Like getting real a little too thin. You know, you need thrower and Martez thrower and Trevor Wallace to get here in a hurry. You've got to hope Luke Fulton is maybe ready to play and help you right now. And then hopefully Wallace can get up to speed right away. But even on the outside, man, you know, the lot's riding on Weaver getting back healthy. They need Wright to be a, a steady in force. And we heard about that medium spot. They're going to lean on, that, I think, safety. Um, to play a lot this year. They're going to be a lot of sub packages, five, six defensive backs on the field at a time. So, yeah, I think that's a big storyline entering the fall is just the linebacker depth. Do they visit it in the portal here at, in the next month or so to, to try to address um, the issue maybe at both spots? 
Um, I think it's something going to be something for us to monitor. But yeah, linebacker I'm, is definitely I'm a concern. They're going to get one, at least one, uh, probably at at outside. Um, because you, I mean, you already did get one in Luke Fulton, and yeah, and you know, I th- they like him, but I don't think he's he's completely ready right away. He can yeah, be he's serviceable. Great. I mean, he hasn't played much. Yeah, uh, and then Jared Casey is kind of similar in that he's coming along, but how much, how how much are you willing to trust him? And I think that's yeah. going to ultimately help them decide if they're going to go get somebody or not. And with Summerall's comments about Casey. The big thing was I think they're excited about him. I think they've seen a big jump from him since he's moved over. Mm-hmm. I think long-term, I think they think he's going to be a pretty good player, but they're not ready to put too much on his plate. I think they really want to keep him at that will spot mm-hmm. and kind of make that seamless transition for DeAndre Square and to be an important backup for Square because he's shown that he's he's had some issues staying you know, healthy through a full 12-game slate. And Square also has the mental fortitude to move over to Mike, but you, you bring up the durability issues and you don't want to. Yeah, that's one of those. I think that's one of a position like you've got a very good will linebacker. And then just an okay Mike. <laughs> or, well, you don't want to don't want to sacrifice a very good spot, move him over to a spot where he might not be as good. And then the guy you're placing him with isn't as good as Mike will. All right, he him at will. So I would keep him there. It's just figuring out that who you're going to put plug in that next spot. Mm-hmm. And Casey, I think, is going to get some snaps there. But I think Summerall's comments were that, you know, he complimented him a lot, but he also said we don't want to put too much on his plate yet. Um, so I think they're still trying to bring him along slowly. So then that just leaves kind of at Mike, at least Fulton and Trevor Wallace. And I mean, that position is a lot to ask of a true freshman to come in, especially early – or not early in Rolly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's going to be very interesting what they do there. Um, it's going to be something to monitor. I think they really need to highly consider potentially bringing in a transfer because separate from outside linebacker, you can easily go sub-package and take it off the field. There's no real taking the mic off the field. Yeah, yeah. You have to have somebody in there in the middle. So, I mean, it's just – it's tough, and they've had a lot of turnover there lately, which scares me. They're kind of due for kind of a step back, I think, at the spot after losing the quality players they've lost. So, I mean, they're going to have to – you know, hopefully they can figure out something. But that's a worry for the defense, I think, for sure this season. If they do go to a portal, to the portal, I know of at least one name that's not in there yet but was would be a nice stopgap that – Previously, it was a four-star recruit and just played at the Power Five level. Yeah, that's so, all you're. That's all you're looking for. If you so do just, go to the portal, you're just you, looking for a guy that's played, been in some wars. He doesn't have to be great; just somebody who can be serviceable for you there. In like you said, a stopgap to potentially give Wallace time to grow into the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if he if he if this guy jumps in. You'll know who I'm talking about. But, uh, well, you know, we've got to play the wait-and-see game with that. Who, who knows where UK is going to end up going ultimately. Ultimately, like it, next spring surprise. Next one was just Cohen, or Cohen, Cohen coming out and not shying away from it that Chris Rodriguez is going to be the feature guy of this offense, that they're going to ride him for, what, 25 carries a game. And he said that like the second practice. So there wasn't much. 
there. We got to get him the damn football from a from a football <laughs> standpoint with the new coordinator's own eyes that he saw. But yeah, that's a big emphasis point. I think that yeah, he's gonna they're gonna ride him. He's gonna be the workhorse this year. And I think that's something fans wanted to hear and something I want to hear. He was the most efficient player in college football last season. And to see him with a heavier workload behind a, you know, a still pretty good offensive line, I think it's something to be excited about. Um, but, yeah, the, the fact that they went all in that early and admitted it, I thought was – they caught me a little bit by surprise, in it, but I think it was a good thing to hear. No, no, it's it certainly was. Um, it's just we have a tendency – during spring practice to overlook the obvious, you know, you can only say so many good things about Wandale Robinson, uh, but even he is a new guy. We know Chris Rodriguez is great, but you're not going to hear uh, a bunch of stuff about, you know, uh, how Chris Rodriguez is shining in practice. Cause it's like, Oh, well, duh. Uh, you know, yeah. but I, I will say one of those guys who I expect it from, but was nice to hear is that Josh Pascal has, the the he's doing what we kind of anticipated him doing all along, and that's using his explosiveness to be a difference maker at defensive end because he's he's in that kind of tweener spot where he's as a jack he's a little bit too big, um, you know he's almost like a slow jack, but he's a fast and not twitchy end. enough at jack. Yeah, yeah, but, but he's really twitchy for that position. We right. didn't see it much last year, but he's also you know he had to beat cancer by God, and then he also only. It, it takes time when things are moving fast. And I just loved hearing Yusuf Corker just beam over how well he's played. Even Mark Stoops, too, which he doesn't talk about anybody. No, 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 no. But, but Pascal was on the way to doing that last year. And then he sprained his knee against Mississippi State. Those first three games, he was as good as any interior defense alignment in the conference last year. He was a star. It was well on his way to a monster season. And then he tweaked his knee and he just wasn't the same player. So for me, it's all about keeping that dude healthy. Yeah, like if yeah. I was coaching him, he wouldn't be like when they're scrimmaging, we don't need to see you scrimmage. <laughs> like that's because he's a, he's a bona fide playmaker when he's a hundred percent at that position. That's a perfect position for him. He's a guy that can get 12, 13, 14 tackles for loss in a season. And cause three or four fumbles and just create a bunch of havoc and that's what they on the need. inside right. that's what they missed last year they did not have a ton of of havoc in in the backfield uh they need that and if pascal is healthy and able to provide it that it also takes a little bit of stretch off the edges where you know then you might only need if, if right's healthy well, then that, you might only need to roll out on him as a as a rusher and you can play a bunch of nickel when you have a player like that or a system like that 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 can do that, what that does, it just puts teams in passing downs earlier. And so then your pass rush can get ramped up. And then when you get teams to predictable pass situations and you can create a pass rush, that's where turnovers come. I, getting uh, teams behind the chain. That's what that's the name of the game, getting them behind the chains. And then when you're second and third and long, um, the game is tilted toward the defense's favor there. And so if you can get that, if you have a guy that can consistently do that, consistently get you in second and 12, third and nines, that's that's a recipe for success. Love love getting teams behind the chains. We'll also love that phrase. It's a great football phrase uh, that we need to say more often. But as Pascal is one of those, uh, you know, we, we typically like to think about the future when it comes to spring practice. My biggest takeaway, the one that was most shocking to me, 
and the one where I'm going to be like, hand up, I was wrong about this guy, is that Kai Sharon's legit. That I, I we I know we mentioned it a few weeks back, but uh, I certainly wrote him off when he was a guy that Henshaw handpicked to bring in. Henshaw doesn't do well developing quarterbacks. You just think, oh well, yeah, I don't know about this guy. But n- not only does he have the big arm, but he's also got the kind of composure and demeanor you need as a quarterback. That you know you can't tell from film. We saw him throw a. a, a, a game-winning touchdown pass, put together a one-minute drive to win a state championship game. But, you know, there's also in the back of your mind that, okay, this is, you know, no offense to 2A football. I love playing 2A football. But, I mean, the dude was wide open on his touchdown pass. You know, he could have put it in the football. So, like, you just don't – I I didn't know enough to have faith in him. And for him to come out as an early enrollee and jump out like that – not only is it just good for the future, but man, when you miss on a guy like Gavin Wimsett, it just you can exhale a little bit, knowing that you you've got some in the tank for later. Yeah, with with Sharon, his junior tape I liked, um, but I wrote down when I wrote that piece, I wrote down in my like my own personal notes that I thought the Somerset offense was really good. I thought they schemed up that really well. There was a lot of guys open, but he had some traits there that I liked. And I wanted to see his senior tape. I was really excited to see his senior tape to see how he developed. And then he just got injured. And there just yeah, wasn't much yeah, there. He missed, he missed quite a few games. So he's a guy I think I've got on my to-do list to maybe go back and watch some of his tape to see if there was maybe something I missed there. But, yeah, I think that's that's a big surprise. I mean, it was Kentucky over Marshall. There wasn't much interest there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can't blame us for being skeptical, you know. Yeah, but so, I, I mean, it's a long – like, that. it's – we're hearing all of this from a press conference setting and from true, people true. Who, who have eyes on it, not, not our own eyes. So we, we have to see it. We don't know if it might just be coming against the threes and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. So we'll see, but I think it's a, at least a promising development early in his career uh, that maybe he could turn into something. Yes. And so I think that, that that's a good sign. Another guy who kind of fits in that same description as a big surprise. Um, this isn't a guy on my list, but I think we need to throw him out there. Uh, Cleavon Thomas just kind of yeah, an yeah. emergence as a redshirt senior. Oh, really thought he was going to be on his way into the portal after this. Yeah. I, I had I that. Think every, uh, no, I think both of us did and a lot of other people did. Yeah. Um, but uh, very happy for him to make the most of this fresh start because uh, you know how it is. Uh, everybody thinks a coach has it out for him, you know, and, Sometimes that actually might be the case. I don't know if that was Cleveland, but m- maybe he thought the coach had it out for him, so yeah. he wasn't doing what he needed to. You know, there's there's so much stuff happening in the minds of these college kids. We don't know, but I'm very happy that he made the most out of his fresh start uh, because clear that the coaching change has helped him. A ton. Yes, yes, and he was not the only one. Okay, and then my last one. This guy came in, Wando Robinson, with all kinds of praise. We all know it. But I think the universal teammate praise he's gotten so far in practice, I think that's a very, yeah, very, yeah. very great sign. No, you're you're exactly right. Um, I because you could have a transfer come in and be the cock of the walk, and right. Well, he, yeah, he walks in like that, and all his teammates think that. And I guarantee some of the defensive backs are like, "I don't let me see this guy." Like. They can talk all they want, but let's see him actually go out and make plays. And I think he sh- he's shown that the ability to do that. Josh Pascal, 
what did he he called him like a the um the truth i think yeah the truth yeah and so um i think and it's become it's come from multiple players so i think he's going to be a guy that's all signs point to a monster season for him. Huge season. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And there's one other just – I just was shocked to hear this player's name, but Rashawn Lewis made multiple big plays and scrimmages. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize he was still on the team. I just, you know, um, just no idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I, you, you just completely forget about those guys. They're really placing a premium on speed. Uh, and Yeah. And I think we're to a point with Kentucky's offense where we kind of know the base, what it's going to be. We know who the starting five is on the offensive line. We don't know quarterback yet, but we know they're probably going to be in 12 personnel more times than not mm-hmm. with Rig and Upshaw and Bates rotating in. Yep. And then the two receivers are Wandell and Josh Ali, and then yep. Rodriguez toting the rock in the backfield. Like that, that's a that's a good starting base. I, I feel like they feel comfortable with that, that crew. And now it's just getting some other skill talent to Come, come on in and as help, well. help yeah, out, yeah. right? Chip in and uh, at least set the table for for more to come in the future. And as as you mentioned with quarterbacks, I can't believe we you know, we don't we have a quarterback competition and we're going all the way to the end of a spring practice podcast without talking about the the main two guys. But that's just because it's it's far from decided. I think Joey Gatewood did uh, do a little bit of separating where uh, you know we we heard good things. We heard he was efficient uh, and. And that I think was the the thing you needed to see most from him because we know he has the physical tools, but it's a matter of making the right decisions and making the routine plays look routine. Yeah, I've liked what we've heard um, stretching the ball vertically as well as they've done. Stoop said, "Yeah, I think that's a good sign um, because the intermediate pass game is nice, but you got to take the top off or that defense can just shut that stuff down." Mm-hmm. And that's Kentucky has not been able to stretch the field since 2016. Five years. Another, and so another they need to hit if they can, like if you can just hit a, those deep balls and defenses have to worry about that, then Kentucky can see some lighter boxes. And they've been running on heavy boxes consistently the last few years. And then I think the running game could even take off even more. Mm-hmm. And so if you just gotta be able to, you know, hit hit vertic- hit some shots vertically. I mean that, that's the biggest key, I think, to this season. It's really been the key the last three seasons. They just haven't done it. But if they can finally do that, there's a chance for the offense, I think, to kind of take off. Could be special. It could be special, Adam Luckett. Well, we're going to get out of here. When we talk to you next, <laughs> it's going to be all about the NFL draft. Luckett's been cooking up a draft guide that will blow your freaking minds. And I've still got to pick some ponies, man. I, I'm undecided on who yep. my I, – I know my derby horse, but who are my derby horses? We have a – We gotta have, have a, a five-horse box. Right, a mega episode coming next week with the draft – and some derby handicapping. So get ready. I'm it's going to be a big one. Man, derby. Ten, 11 days. Ah, can smell it in the air. We just Roush need we, Super Bowl. We just need weather like today where it's 70 and Have sunny. Have you looked at the extended forecast nope, yet? I will not look at it until Monday <laughs> of next week because I've been told that anything more than a 10-day forecast is only about – 10 to 15 percent accurate really yeah yeah but we are you know we're getting a little cool down it's supposed to be snowy uh (laughs) uh tonight going into tomorrow so you probably see some shots (laughs) of the track where there's uh you know snow on on the horse barns and whatnot um man 
getting fired up though like it spring springtime in 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 kentucky is a wonderful time there's 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 a buzz in the air yeah i just hope we get good weather it seems like it rains every derby here lately oh i, I know all too well didn't rain last year though when nobody could go perfect weather <laughs> yeah that don't that one doesn't even count oh <laughs> uh, yeah they might yeah. as well had that one in texas god and of course it's all been the same to us freaking perfect weather for that yeah but we're good. We're, we're due for some good karma. Things are coming up, Kentucky. They got recruiting momentum. There's about to be some dudes here. Their name called in the NFL draft. We'll be here to talk about that more next week. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Rouse. This has been 11 Personnel. Remember, go Cats, go Kroger.